This is episode 09 of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, February 15th, 2011. Okay, so Karen, I'm here. Where where are you? I'm here. What, what? Where are you? I'm in your apartment. <laughs> recording the oddcast. Are weren't we gonna record the oddcast today? We are recording the oddcast. Oh, but you're not here. No, I'm I'm here. Well but you're there. I you're not I don't see you. <laughs> I'm 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 actually in sunny Los Angeles. I'm in uh the sunset New York. I mean, here you're actually in my apartment. <laughs> that's correct, and but there's no sun anymore. Because that's it's, kind of hilarious. This, the, the, it's very sunny here. Well, you're three hours behind. It, it was sunny today. It was just actually, I, unless we've invented time travel, I'm I'm not three hours behind. Well, yeah, you are. What time is it right now? <laughs> well, the, the 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 time is different, but we're both we're both recording this podcast simultaneously, Bradley. Am I in the past? You're living in the past, dude. <laughs> so, uh, so Karen uh, like jetted off to LA before we recorded the Oddcast. Well, that's that's sort of true and sort of not true. That's, we wound up recording one we couldn't use, so I don't true. want you to blame me. <laughs> well, yeah, we would have had to do this regardless because we needed uh, we needed pieces. But uh, so we're doing this remote thing. It's like we're Linux outlaws, you know. Almost, but um, but neither of us has a cool accent. Yeah, we're also in the same country. Although, geographically speaking, I think the Linux Alcala guys are closer. UK to Germany versus East Coast to West Coast. Well, East Coast to West Coast, I know, is 3,000 miles. And I don't think it's... No, no, it can't be. We're closer. We are closer? Yeah, UK to Germany is not 3,000 miles, Karen. I'm looking it up. Yeah, I can hear you typing, and they can hear you typing, too. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so we aren't in the same place. We need place. to know. Well, we don't need to know. Now that's that we're not... on the phone, I really can't interrupt you. I have to stop. <laughs> uh, that's true. But I don't know if we need to know this. Uh, what we need to do is give the listeners a good show, even though we're not in the same geographic location. I'm willing to try if you okay. are. Okay, so 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 we need a we need a topic to discuss that uh, we can talk about without being in the same place. Do you have any ideas? Um, well, I think um, the UK and and Germany is way closer. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying the opposite. No, of course I wasn't I was saying the opposite. It's three thousand miles. I was so confused as to why you would think that. I wouldn't think that. <laughs> I was saying it's 3,000 miles. A, I was confused to why you would think that. that. That is a relief. Yeah. Well, we, you know, I, I, can't, I can't handle this, this charade. <laughs> um, we have a topic. We're settled on a topic. It's true. Yeah. And it's... Um, our topic, which we'll tell you very quickly so that if you don't like it, you don't have to yeah, Well, especially because we realize the audio quality will not be as good as usual. So, so, uh, so if people want to just give yeah. up altogether, we understand. Yeah, definitely. Um, so our, our, the topic that we're, we're discussing today is 
is copyleft generally, I think, right? And compatibility between copyleft licenses. Yeah, well, somebody somebody asked us at one point, uh, the, which is, and I'm, I'm going to say it's a naive question. I'm not trying to insult the person who asked it because it's sort of a default question you might ask. If you heard that there's this thing called copyleft and then there's multiple copyleft licenses that exist in the world, you'd be like, well, so then I could take copyleft software and combine it and then all be copyleft and everybody's happy because it's all copylefted. Um, well, it does make sense. I mean, if, if, when you think about it, especially since when we gave our, um, when we, we discussed choosing a license on the earlier episode or on the episode of the Software Freedom Law Show, um, we did say that, you know, we did divide licenses roughly into categories where strong and weak copyleft were two of the main categories. Yeah, and that's and that's generally the way people think about it. And from a from a, a general view, just thinking about what the types of licenses are, that's true. But when you take various different types of, of strong copyleft licenses and then put them up against weak copyleft licenses, you don't necessarily have stuff that can intermingle. Uh, because you have to comply with both licenses at the same time, um, and that's hard. As it right, turns and the out. more, right, and the more you know, sort of complicated a license is, and the more um, conditions it imposes, the less likely it is that licenses will be compatible. Yeah, and so, and so this is this is sort of the interesting thing about copyleft. Copyleft is a concept. Uh, this is how RMS always puts it. Copyleft is a concept. It's an idea. And GPL is an implementation of copyleft. So if you think about in terms of a web browser, a web browser is a thing you could have. And there's lots of ways to implement a web browser. You can write uh, uh, Mozilla Firefox, and that's an implementation of a web browser. You can take Chrome, Google Chrome, and that's an implementation of a web browser, and so forth. So there are, there are many ways you could implement copyleft. There are many ways you could implement strong copyleft, which is generally the category we put mm -hmm. GPL in. Uh, but, but multiple implementations, just like you can't take code just randomly out of Chrome and, and drop it into Firefox and expect it to work, um, it's very similar. You can't just randomly take code under one copyleft license and drop it in with another and expect the two licenses to automatically be compatible uh, without some work. That's a really good analogy, actually. I like that. Um, but uh, web browsers as a concept are not nearly as cleverly named as copyleft. Probably not. Uh, but uh, but uh, I, I think I think the the GPL itself is not all that cleverly named, especially when uh, uh, when you realize that the general in general public didn't mean the general public initially. Do you know this? Oh, it did. Yes. In no. fact, Richard's talked about this in his speeches publicly that he initially wrote the Emacs public license and then the GCC public license. And he realized that it was really dumb because A, you couldn't share code between them because, as it turned out, they were copylefts and incompatible with each other. And B, uh, that, uh, that it was stupid to write a new license for every program. So he came up with this idea of generalizing it. So he called it the general public license. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Right, and it actually goes to the story of compatibility. So, so as Richard was writing the original copyleft licenses, he ran into this incompatibility problem. He realized that he couldn't take code out of Emacs and put it into GCC because Emacs was under the Emacs public <laughs> license and GCC was under the GCC public license. And why were there... Uh well, actually, I think I know the answer to that, that why there were differences between those two licenses. Um, there, there kind of weren't. It was just that he had not made the, the program a variable. It was just Emacs. Uh, you may take the code of Emacs and... 
Oh, oh, I thought I actually was thinking that the GCC um, that the differences between the two licenses was maybe reflected in the exception. No, I, I think no. I think that this is so proto copyleft in some sense that it was before the idea of exceptions right. even existed. It was made. It was literally just the that he variableized the word program instead of having it say Emacs in GCC. Ah, uh, I see. My belief is I he see. realized this pretty quickly because I've actually done net searches for, for this and it's actually hard to find uh, the GCC public license. The Emacs public license is very easy to find, uh, as I recall, but the GCC public license is very hard to find. So I think it was a matter of weeks when he realized this is really dumb. I need to actually make a general public license. Um, Do you know if he um, was the first to use the, the to use the term public license for these kinds of licenses? That I don't know. That would be interesting because I think that the use of the term public license is really good naming. Uh, yeah, that part is good. The, the, the general part, uh, given how, I mean, actually, the funny thing is, is general public actually works on its own because it's for the general public. Uh, but uh, that's not what it originally meant. It's, it's one of these things that sounds better in, as the backronym, as it were. It's not really a backronym, but it's uh, but sounds better in the later constitution than it did in the original. Yeah, right. Because, you know, because of GNU. Well, yeah, and actually, a lot of people think the G stands for GNU, not general. That's a common confusion. Yeah, yeah, I used to think that long ago, before before I I, I was you know before I knew very much. Yeah, yeah I, I um, but but of course there are these other public licenses. The Mozilla public license, which is another weak copyleft license. Um, mm -hmm. There's the the Eclipse public license, right, which is much newer uh, by 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 probably two decades even than the Mozilla public license. No, not two decades from the Mozilla. Two decades from GPL, a decade from Mozilla, um, and it uh, uh, roughly, I'm saying. And it's uh, it's 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 debatable. It's, it actually is frequently debated how strong of a copy left it is. I think it's much closer to a strong copy left than a weak copy left. It's certainly differently implemented. It's a very different implementation of copy left than than GPL or MPL. And then there's the less the LGPL, which is another weak, which is the other weak copy left in the GNU family, if if you will, um, and. And that was that was a renaming issue, right? On the L. Yeah, actually, it was originally called the Library GPL, and it was renamed to the Lesser yep. GPL. Um, I actually have joked that the the class when we wrote the class path exception, um, I suggested to RMS, I was like, well, this is such a weak copy left that we should call it the least GPL. Um, but that never caught on. I mm. thought the class path exception, basically the GPL plus the class path exception was the, was the least GPL because it was sort of the, the weakest copy left you could imagine, uh, <laughs> in my mm. view. Um, That's interesting. I think, um, I think it probably was the weakest copy left that you could imagine coming out of the FFL. <laughs> but, with, but with the GPL, well, but with the GPL, the class path exception is pretty liberal. And additional permissions, you could imagine you could you could imagine all sorts of things. I guess, but would they still be copyleft? I mean, I guess that's a question for philosophy rather than than licensing. But when when does it cease to be that's a copyleft? Right? How weak does the copyleft have to be before it ceases to be a copyleft? If I say, you know, right. I can imagine a copyleft, right, where I say um, only if you distribute to me is it copylefted, but if you distribute to anybody else in the world, it's not copylefted. That's that's a pretty weak copyleft. Hmm. It would still be it still yeah, be a copy left. It would still be a free software license because if you gave all the permissions to everybody, it was just only when you distribute to me. It had to be GPL, and to everybody else, it was Apache. Let's say. Well, I've heard some people who you know some people refer to 
uh, a copyleft component of the permissive licensing, so of the you know ISC or BSD style licensing, just for the requirement of keeping the license and uh, you know the attribution along with the uh, uh, with the distribution. No, and then in that case, the only non copyleft license is the the do what the f you want license, then right? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that actually allows you to remove the li license, at least in places without moral rights. Um, that is. Um, uh, just to reiterate, that's really not a great license to use. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, <laughs> I just get really nervous because it's really fun to talk about that license and to refer to it um, because it's got such a great name and it's such a it's such a fun formulation. But it's it's not a great idea to use. I think we've talked about it before. I just feel like I can't talk about it without cautioning people not to use right, it. Right? <laughs> they should go. To, they should go use CC zero otherwise. Yeah. So, 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 so this question that we're, we're, we're looking at this copyleft compatibility question is, so it comes down to basically these implementations not being compatible. So, 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 so copyleft needs all these details. It has to say things about providing the source code and making sure that, that the person has a copy of the source code and it's complete and corresponding and it has scripts to control compilation and installation of the executable uh, to use GPLv2 terminology uh, and, and all these things about maintaining the copyleft and making sure that each person as they get a copy this share and share alike idea is upheld um, and because that's mm -hmm. so complicated uh, ultimately um, it's a situation whereby um, you've got you've got to, to, to think through um, how that interacts with some other license so so if you have some other license it might have all sorts of details like that slightly different and that's where the incompatibility comes in because it's, it's 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 trying the same general idea the same inspiration if you will but it has all these different details and so it might be difficult to comply with one while complying with the other yeah and some of those and some of the things that some provisions that seem rather innocuous or benign uh, turn out to cause you know, this incompatibility. So something like a, you know, a, a choice of law provision um, could throw things yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, that's a classic thing because uh, GPL mm -hmm. has, has always avoided having choice of law and has always designed itself as a purely copyright license and just basically wants to fall under the copyright law in whatever municipality you happen to be in at the moment. Uh, and therefore, uh, in fact, that's why many changes were made to GPLv3 to make sure that could happen smoothly. Um, but uh, nevertheless, if if, uh, if something has a choice of law clause, you're you're sort of stuck because it's incompatible. The, the two licenses are incompatible because you can't not choose a a law venue and choose a law venue at the same time. Right, and 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 it is it is in a way of a restriction. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You're restricted to the laws of of the state of California or the yeah. Commonwealth of Massachusetts, um, which or whatever. you know, which seems like yeah, which seems like it's no big deal. But in fact, when you think about it, it could be a, a really big deal. Um, Especially if, as you say, someone's using the license in a in a completely different jurisdiction, um, and then having to be bound by the laws of some other place that they may not have access to any attorneys or any kind of information about it is 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 potentially not fair. Right. Well, and 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 so and so a lot of people point. Uh, so when I start talking about this this copyleft incompatibility question, people always point out my favorite copyleft, the Affero GPL, is somehow magically compatible with the GPL v3. And of course, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I tend to say my phrasing for this, I don't know if anybody else uses this phrasing, I say it's compatible by fiat, basically. Because if you look at Clause 13 in both those licenses, they account for each other. So that it allows this drifting of GPL into a Faro GPL code. 
uh, and has rules for how it happens. But that's done basically by saying it explicitly in the license that I give permission ahead of time for these two licenses to be compatible, which is always a way, if you're aware when you draft the license of the other license, you can always choose to do that. You can just draft it in as compatible and just uh, basically you have to say which license prevails. Yeah, and aren't there, um, there are, there are other uh, licenses that do that as well. I think that, is it the MPL that allows for having an addendum? I don't believe the MPL has any by fiat compatibility. Uh, the MPL actually encourages license proliferation. I'm, I'm talking about the old version of the MPL. I have, I must admit, I have not followed the drafting process very closely. Um, uh, but I, I think I'm also talking about the old okay, version. Yeah. The sure. old version has the license proliferation terminology where it encourages you to make your own MPL, which is by default incompatible because you replace Mozilla with something else. Um, and so that's the only thing I'm aware of with MPL. I, I'm not an MPL expert by any means. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a provision called multiple licensed code. Um, so it's saying that developer may designate portions of the code as multiple licensed, and then basically you could attach as an exhibit a list of those licenses. Yeah, although the, the reason that works so easily, because that's not truly by fiat, I don't think, because it doesn't really specify. I don't know. I'm not sure I really agree with the, that... <laughs> With 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 that uh, phraseology and um, and the distinctions anyway, but uh, maybe if you explain it, it a little bit more to me, I'll well, understand. not only I mean I, I think it doesn't work either, <laughs> um, but I think the reason Mozilla ends up Mozilla Public License ends up working okay is because it's it's a very weak copyleft. I think it's even weaker than LGPL. That they they have this idea of a file based copyleft, which is a pure construction. I mean, there's nothing magical about the file level of things under copyright, but they've basically specified that if you modify a, a file marked MPL the changes have to be MPL'd. But if you, mod if you, if you bring another file in in any way um, or, or start your work in a separate file, uh, you, uh, you don't have to MPL the work. So it's, it's even weaker than LGPL in that regard. So, so because it's such a weak copyleft, it's, it's compatible with most things because all you have to do is carefully, if you have a license that would otherwise be incompatible with MPL, all it means is you can't commingle that code in the same file. Um, and that's just that's just because it's a weak copy left. It, it's similar to the situation with LGPL because uh, although LGPL is a little stricter about this, basically if you always make sure you're writing uh, under LGPL v2 terminology works that uses the library or under LGPL v3 terminology an application as opposed to the library, then you can always license that any way you want, even proprietary. So similarly, it becomes compatible with say MPL or Eclipse because it basically allows you as long as you're always in that space that would otherwise allow any type of licensing, uh, you can combine all you want. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, that getting back to this point about the MPL and that section 13 multiple license code, I think that's actually more akin to meta licensing. Mm -hmm. um, it's more akin to, and when I say meta licensing, uh, what, I, what I'm getting at is the idea that you can say you can take, you know, disjunctive licensing or dual licensing or um, saying, you know, you can take this code under um, license A or license B. I don't know. As, as a as somebody who had uh, strict object oriented terminology drilled into my head, I hate calling that meta licensing because the the meta license is the license of the license, which is the license of the text of the license itself. 
Um, which are, what <laughs> you're talking about is is combinatorial. I, I guess I would call it combinatorial licensing, where you make the license of your work some sort of combination of various licenses, which is the classic. Actually, Mozilla also trailblazed this because Mozilla Firefox is licensed, uh, I believe, tri-licensed simultaneously. Mozilla, your choice, right. Mozilla public license, mm-hmm. LGPL or GPL. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that I think is because they have different compat- license compatibility theories than 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 other people. I mean, that, that's a whole other area. I don't actually want to go into that can of worms. But one of the, 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 the questions is, uh, are there copylefts that are compatible with each other? Or are there licenses that are compatible with each other? Can you take code under this license and combine it with another one and have a result that is that is permissible under both licenses? Right. I think we did discuss in an earlier show combining permissively licensed code into GPL licensed code. Right. If not, I think that was around the time. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, we uh, we we in the 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 old show, the Software Freedom Law show that we used to do, we did our talk on Ath Five K, which talked about this extensively. That's what, yeah. That's what I was I was referring yeah, to. Yeah. So so people who've heard that talk or or listened to that episode of the old show have have heard us talk about that kind of compatibility. But the this this copyleft you know the, the copyleft compatibility question is is a special case of that where you're talking about different copylefts and it's sort of the classic place where you get incompatibility, uh, where you have license A and license B and you can't satisfy both of them at once. That's the that's sort of the classic and and almost basically easily determinable because you because most copylefts one will say do it it this way and the other one will say do it this way prime uh, and then you have two things that are different that you can't do simultaneously right and I, I I think that my what I call what 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 you call by fiat I think I realized I say by explicitly saying yeah, so yeah right, right. <laughs> so yeah so uh, right so those two licenses if they're done slightly differently they can't be compatible except unless they explicitly say so. Right. And we got this done in GPLv3 and AGPLv3 because we knew ahead of time that there was going to be an AGPL um, when GPLv3 was finalized. The problem comes in when you don't, you can't anticipate what licenses exist or may exist in the future. And, and this is actually an interesting uh, situation because, because uh, in fact, um, some licenses don't even, and GPL is one of them, necessarily anticipate future versions of themselves in some ways. Um, or at least they don't explicitly um, demand compatibility with future versions of themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Before we get to that, I just want to say that, you know, just to, to expand on what you said before, yeah, I don't know if it's entirely right to say that it's not anticipating future licenses because... Um, because there's that section in GPLv3, which I know is 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 meant to um, to expressly um, permit compatibility with existing licenses. So I'm talking about like the additional permissions section um, and the additional terms. I think it's section seven. Yeah. But um, you know, and that explicitly uh, permitted compatibility with the Apache license. Um, but but because of the way that it's done, it talks about different you know, different kinds of things that you can do that are permitted. Right. So it does extend it to a class, but at the same time, the classes listed in V3 section seven 
ultimately are classes of things that had been observed in free software licensing before v3 was drafted so it's it's yep. not looking to the future in any real way in some sense because it's basically saying well what are the class of things people were doing around 2006 and 2007 or had done by that time let's permit all of those and make all of those compatible but if somebody comes up with a totally new thing and, and a lot of people don't realize i've been along around long enough to know things like patent provisions were <laughs> explicit patent provisions were new things at one time right and when apache license and, and then they deserve the credit the apache uh, software foundation um trailblazed this of of actually talking about patents explicitly in a real explicit way in their license um uh, it, that that was that was the first time that happened, and I and I recall very early in the, in the V3 process, like the proto V3 process, when RMS and I were talking about it in 2002 or something. Um, Richard was a fan actually of the what Apache had done and wanted to accommodate it, wanted to find a way, but it was it was. Um, it, it wasn't forward-looking, it was backward-looking, ultimately. And I think Section 7 of, of, of V3 is, is effectively backward-looking. Even though it tries its best to accommodate everything, um, it, it doesn't have any plan for what somebody else might think of, because you can't, you can't think of what somebody else might think of, and it could be good, right? Are the Apache guys thinking of a patent provision, an explicit patent provision, explicit patent licensing, um, and, and, and termination of patent licensing and stuff that, that went into the Apache license? Nobody thought of that before then. Uh, GPL doesn't, GPL yeah. V2 doesn't contemplated it has the give my software liberty give it give me death when i'm talking section seven of v2 uh, but it doesn't have any sort of thing with where there's automatic patent licensing and automatic termination of patent licensing and so forth well you can only think of what you can think of exactly, you try exactly. to be as forward looking as you can when you drop these things i mean i think that's that you know that's one of the things that we you know that I'm going to say we as lawyers, me, me, me and my fellow lawyers as lawyers are, are sort of tried to train to do in, in law school is to think about every possible situation that could come up, but you can't always come up with every situation that's going to happen. And, you know, I've been in practice long enough that I've been in situations where we've revisited contracts that I drafted a few years ago that I've, I really, you know, scratched my head for a long time and tried to come up with, you know, tried to plan for every contingency, but sure enough, you know, from time to time, you'll find yourself on, you know, on edge cases or things that you haven't anticipated before. But I just wanted to give GPLv3 some credit because, you know, the fact that those categories are drafted broadly sort of, I think, does to some extent plan for the future. But I agree with you. You can't, I mean, we, we can't know everything that's going to happen. And, you know, and I think that that brings us to the point you were well, yeah, about to and, make and before Indeed, the, the, there is track. a way in which GPLv3 explicitly chose not to plan for the future and and, and gplv2 did the same thing and gplv1 did the same thing um and uh and, and I, i'm framing it this way because because it was actually richard fontana i have to give him credit for this who pointed out to me because uh, i never really thought about it that hard that gpl is a little bit unique in this regard as far as its future versions because since version one of gpl it has given the implementer of the software who's choosing the license the option of whether or not they want later versions of GPL to apply to their code. Because if you look at the CC licenses, if you look at the Mozilla public license, if you look at the Eclipse public license, these licenses basically auto license your code for future versions and give someone the authority 
to relicense your code by publishing a new license. In the CC case, it's Creative Commons. In the Mozilla, uh, Mozilla public license part, it's Netscape who has that power. In the um, in the Eclipse uh, scenario, I believe it's the Eclipse Foundation that has the power. So 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 in those cases, uh, uh, copyright holders who choose to license under those licenses are implicitly uh, putting their trust in that organization to publish whatever that organization might be in their particular case to publish future versions of the license uh, and, and make sure that those future versions of the license fit with what they wanted to do. Right. But the FSF did give people a, a choice because um, they did. I, I, I'm not sure you have to correct me here, but I think didn't FSF pioneer this where um, basically you can, when this is what I was sort of, when we can have another argument about what is meta licensing and what is not meta licensing, but, you know, gave people the option to say, you know, I distribute it under this license or a later version. Correct. So GPL2 yeah. or a later version. And that, you know, I, but, you know, while, while providing an easy framework for people to do that and to, to point that out while not making the upgrade in the license gives, you know, gives gives developers more freedom. Right. And, and, and see, this is what I find so interesting about this whole thing. And, and, and I go here all the time when this discussion comes up because people, th there was so much acrimony during GPLv3. And, and there are people, I know people today, I exchange email with them sometimes who, who, do, who, who believe GPLv3 is, is, is the great evil. I, I, I've seen it compared to the Death Star in people's SIGs. Um, you know, these, they have this, this evil connotation on V3. The funny thing is, is if they had picked Mozilla Public Library, and these are usually people who believe in the perfection theory of GPLv2, uh, they think GPLv2 is fine. It's GPLv3 that's evil. The funny thing is, is that is that FSF, and, and they sort of blame FSF for for being bad about V3. Well, the funny thing is, FSF are the ones that gave them the choice to do V2 only. If they had went with Mozilla, they would have had to trust Netscape. They would just had to say, well, Netscape is is empowered to publish future versions of Mozilla. Um, now that Netscape doesn't exist, I don't know exactly how Mozilla license get updated. But that's a that's a debate for another time. But they're trusting CC. You're trusting Creative Commons. When you choose CC by SA 2.0, as we do for this show, um, we're trusting the Creative Commons that when CC by SA 3.0 and 4.0 and 5.0 and 5.7, et cetera, come out, that it will be in the same spirit and will will be the kind of license we want this Oddcast under. Now, I'm happy to trust CC with that. I I, I believe that they they have good intentions and I and they're a nonprofit organization. They're a 5.1c3. They're accountable to the public. So I have a lot of trust in Creative Commons and future versions of CC by SA will, will be a license that, that I'm at least okay with. I might be nuts about it, but I'll, I'll be okay with it. Um, but, but, but FSF sort of saw that maybe people wouldn't want to do that. Maybe people would rather wait and see. Maybe they'd rather be V2 only and wait and see what V3 looked like. I think this is one of the great things about FSF because it's actually a theme that runs throughout you know, the, the, structure, the legal structures that FSF has put in place. Um, you know, because not only is there the option to just stick with, you know, a particular license and not have an, you know, an or later, not have an automatic upgrade option, but it, it's that same kind of thought process that, um, that, you know, drove the FSF's, uh, contri you know, contribution assignment agreements. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, it's, it's this idea that we need to build an infrastructure to make sure that people understand what they're agreeing to and that the organization isn't overreaching. No, and again, those organizations, I'm, I'm with you, those organizations that, um, that we're talking about, like Creative Commons, you know, I, I don't think that trust is, 
um, you know, I, I, I don't think that trust is not well placed. It's just that um, I think that's one of the neat things about the FSF is it's sort of, well, you can you can choose what you want, that developers have the freedom to, to make those choices for themselves. And I think it's actually a very reasonable thing to think, you know, I don't want to release my uh, code under a license that I can't read. Yeah, and it, like, it, I don't even know what it's going to say. How can I release my code? Under yeah, it? And, and as FSF director, I obviously agree with you, right? But the, the, I just find it so interesting that, that there's so much acrimony against the FSF for making V3 and for its control over future versions of the license when it is probably the most uh, conservative with regard to uh, reserving the right for the licensor who picks GPL to decide, do you want V2 only? Do you want V2 or later? Do you want V3 only? Do you want V3 or later? Um, you can go back and do V1 only if you really want to, right? Um, and, and so, and so, I, I, I don't know why you'd want to. Uh, the only program I, I know active under active use that still is actually technically under V1. It's actually under V1 or later is is Perl, um, because Perl is 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 one of these what you would call meta licensing, what I would call um, combinatorial licensing. It's it's artistic license or V1 or later versions of GPL. Hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, it, it's, it, I, I think it's really interesting that that, that people do that because I, I think that, that it's, it, it shows that they haven't done a lot of discernment on what's happening because the, the same people who will rail at FSF for, for, for making V3 and creating this GPL V2 only space, they, they sort of blame FSF for creating that space, um, would, would happily say, well, CC is fine for doing it their way. Um, but it's well. I think there are different licenses and different organizations with different goals. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh, but but I also think that that, F, that that people people who love V two only, um, I, I think that that the this uh, this idea that if you're pro V two only. You should be anti-FSF or you think FSF's bad. I, I think that's a very common set of feelings people have. And I think it's I think it's misguided because I think that if you like V2 only, you actually like the fact that the FSF had forethought to put a license out there and then give you as the license user the option to go V2 only. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I think, you know, it's sort of putting a, a vote of confidence in the FSF of the past. So, I mean, I don't think it's inconsistent to say if someone is vehemently V2 only, that they might also be critical of the FSF's current positions. Yeah, I know. And I'm not saying that that's, that, that's inconsistent. I think that the, it's inconsistent to, to somehow believe. And, and, and the thing is that, that on this issue, it's not the FSF of the past because V3 came out and it has the same option. You can do V3 only, you can do V3 or later. Oh, well, on this issue, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, so, so, I mean, if, yeah, I mean, if people disagree with V3, I mean, it's sort of FSF sort of planned for it, right? FSF sort of said there might be some people. I mean, I don't think it was consciously planned for it, quite honestly, but, but basically it allowed for this possibility and didn't try to renege on it. Um, and didn't, and didn't when, I mean, that's the interesting thing about V3 is that when FSF saw this bifurcation happening, saw people going V2 only, because that was happening before V3 started, there were people rushing to V2 only. Um, the FSF didn't say, well, now we've got a plan for our future of our license uh, control and we've got to make V3 be forced to go to, to V3. You know, like basically you have to be able to accept future versions. Nope, they left it the same. And I mean, we, I, I mean, I was involved somewhat. Um, I mean, I think that that's important. What I like about it is, it is it's part of that same sort of principled view of of allowing developers to, to choose every step of the way what they want to do and what they don't and what's interesting is that i think there's a you know saying that 
and and contrasting to Creative Commons, Creative Commons in some ways, you know, provides its users with more choices because there's a suite of licenses, um, you know, that that ranges from uh, from permissive to copyleft, um, all within Creative Commons. But within the um, within the the kind of licensing, the copyleft licensing that the FSF promulgates, you know, I. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's really neat how, um, you know, how it's, it's sort of preserving choice at every, every stage of the, of the way, every, every, every step. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, if you look at something like Mozilla Public License, you have to trust a for profit corporation, um, which I guess would be AOL Time Warner would be the successor in interest there. So, so you're basically trusting AOL Time Warner to write your next license. I mean, it's kind of creepy, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that how, how, um, much the FSF has bent over backwards to sort of, uh, you know, limit the, you know, to what extent trust is placed in the FSF as a, you know, even though it is a 501c3 nonprofit, um, even though it has a, a clear nonprofit mission. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, but I think it's the right thing, because because uh, I used to call it, when I used to work for FSF, I always used to say that, that FSF has lots of protection for replaced by replicants, uh, you know, and that if and that if, <laughs> if everybody who runs FSF is replaced by a replicant built by Microsoft uh, and destroy, tries to destroy everyone, um, it's highly unlikely science fiction outcome, but even if that happened, there are so many safeguards in place that, that, that that's why Microsoft's <laughs> never tried it, you know. Because there's so many. <laughs> I think they've tried. It. They haven't tried it because it's not possible to build replicants that look and talk like me and RMS and all the rest of the board of directors of FSF. <laughs> to the best of our knowledge. Um, I, I, well, I, of course, if I were a replicant, I would say this, but I'm sure I'm not a replicant. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if I'm a replicant? Right. It's it's a strange thing, you know. I mean, I mean, this is this gets down to the director's cut versus the theatrical release of Blade Runner. You realize this, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> right. So, so I'm afraid my listener, if listeners have not seen, like, there could be a lot of I, I, Blade Runner is old enough movie that a spoiler would be okay. But it's very possible that uh, some of our listeners uh, have seen the uh, the theatrical and never the director's cut, uh, or vice versa. So, uh, so I. I I probably shouldn't spoil. I have not seen them both, but I've read about the, you know, the differences. Which one have you seen? Um, I saw the theatrical. You what? I think so. <laughs> That's horrible. You realize the director's cut's better. Uh, so I hear. Yeah, yeah, much better. Yeah, that's yeah. You need to give up on this theatrical release junk. I'll have a screening. <laughs> well, there's no voiceovers in the in the uh, in the theatrical release. I mean, I'm sorry. There's no voiceovers in the yeah. in the director's cut. Theatrical release has those voiceovers. They, the 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 well, producers thought the movie was too confusing, so they they had the voiceovers added for the theatrical release. Right. Well, I think that um, that kind of wraps us up. Huh? I suppose it does. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I could talk about some other off-topic thing I've been thinking about today, like the uh, the. Uh, the, the, the Bellagio Cranberry motorcycle thief um, who got caught, but I'm sure our listeners don't care about that. I have not heard about that, actually. I just like saying cran um, but cran I'm sure Cranberry motorcycle thief is uh, sounds funny. It does. Um, he stole a guy broke into the Bla so does Bellagio and stole shirtless cranberries. congressman. Who, a shirtless <laughs> congressman? Oh, that thing. Yeah, that was weird. Uh-huh. That was kind of wait. I mean that that that's a sort of a dumb thing. Maybe I should save this. Uh, Fab and I are talking about doing Ranto Fabby Coon. I, maybe I should save that for 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 the rant there but the, the, i mean posting his picture on craigslist i mean it's i mean it's weird it's hilarious 
It's, and sad at the same well, time. Well, and it's and the thing is, is that is that does does he not know that there are people that troll Craigslist just to get guys to send photos of themselves? Right. I mean, this is this is like a thing, like. That the people get on Craigslist and like post something like provocative to hope that guys will send embarrassing photos of themselves and then use them against them. Like that's a blackmail thing that happens in the world. Yeah, he apparently did not know well, that. Well, obviously he did not know that. <laughs> but it's like before you use Craigslist, shouldn't you research a little bit and realize that there's that that that, that people just sit there and do that? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe he was uh, missing the the internet of uh, ten years ago. Maybe he listened to Ted Stevens about how the internet worked. Um, well, should we um, should we close these tubes? <laughs> yeah, well, if you don't understand that these tubes can be filled with massive amounts of information. I was talking to Karen well, 10 seconds ago. Maybe... She just heard me today. <laughs> it's okay. I put it all in a giant dump truck. Yeah, well, you're going to have to send your audio file over in a big truck. So that we can get it over to Dan. Anyway, I'll use the series of tubes to get it to Dan, and, and he'll edit, edit us together. Thank you for joining us. Boy, Dan's going to be mad at us, isn't he? He <laughs> has to actually paste files together this week. Oh, poor Dan. He is going to be mad at us. But oh, no, we haven't had that, any, that, you know, no, he will not. Actually, listeners, producer Dan will, be, will, will, will edit our files with a smile, and he will not be mad. We will feel bad is really what we mean. For giving him producer Dan is the best, and and he's and basically. he's completely agreeable. Like if those who listen to Linux Outlaws know, he's completely agreeable, and there's no chance that he would be upset about uh, having to do some editing for us. But it will be a surprise to him. But that doesn't, and for that we apologize. That doesn't make us any less apologetic. Yeah, we're so we're sorry, and we appreciate it. Uh, Karen jetted off to L.A. What can we do? <laughs> it's not my fault. I'm in your apartment. You could be here. <laughs> well, say hi to it for me. Um, I don't <laughs> usually talk to inanimate things. Um, not usually, anyway. Well, for me. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> That's a little weird. All right. Anyway. Well, thanks for joining us, and hopefully the show was useful and, and the audio wasn't too bad, and thanks, everybody. Thank you. Reason Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of HalfBakedMedia.com. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. Reason and Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Please provide any feedback to Oddcast at faif.us. He say you braid runner. He say you under arrest, Mr. Decker.